Amen. Amen. Oh, it's nice and warm in here, isn't it? I think the aircon's having a bit of a hard time with this great weather. Well, good morning. Welcome to church. My name is Mason. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm the campus pastor in Tawa with my uh, wonderful wife, Natalie, who's down there, who sends her love, and, um, and she misses being here. But um, uh, yeah, anyway, that's, it's good to be here this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. And it's, I, I love the start of the year. I love, um, you know, the, the end of a year. I'm not really big on resolutions. You know, when you start a, you know, if you're going to start something, you start it when you need to start it. You don't wait till the end of a year to start it. And sometimes it just works out for time wise. But for 2024, I, you know, I, I looked into that and I was just like, I love the, the ends and the starts of years because it helps you reflect on what's been and where you're going. And, um, and that's what I like. And I like, to, I like to start the year with kind of thinking about where we're going. And over the break, and I had a great break, and I hope you guys did too. And I had a great break over the Christmas holidays. It's one of those breaks where you, you do lots of stuff, but when you get back to work and when you get back into, the, into having to wake up early and, and have meetings and things like that, I felt ready to go. I felt ready to go, and, and that's when you know you've had a good holiday. But over that break, I, I was just kind of, I did a bit of reading and I did a bit of praying and, and just seeking God for what, what this year was about. And I really felt on my heart that it was about growing. And obviously we were down in Tawa and, and for here as well, for Connect as, as a church, I, I believe there's going to be growth. You know, we're really believing for growth, that God's bringing people back to the house, that we'd see this place full. And it feels full today. It's, it's great. But, we're, you know, we're just doing the one services. We'll be back to two, and, and we're going to create some space for more people, which is awesome. But Tawa, we've got a great big building that could be full of people, and we just want to see God's house full. And so I was really challenged on the word grow, and everything I seemed to pick up had the word grow in it, or it was a book about growth and but more, God was working on my heart to say, it's, it's not necessarily about church growth. It's about how we grow individually. It's, it's, we grow individually in more dependence with Him and more in love with Him. and more in, it, it, We need more of Him to, to live our lives and be you know, the light of the world. And as I wanted to speak this morning, it was just really want, from a place of, of you know, just encouraging, encouraging us to live 2024 with some intention and to, to be in a position to, to grow. And, and I just want to lay a little bit of groundwork before I launch into just a couple of thoughts this morning on growth. And, and it's about thriving in the process because we all know thriving in the, the process of growth can be pretty boring at times because you don't see a lot happening. And, 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 but I believe it's, there's, a, there's a deep desire for every follower of Jesus to know that their life matters and that it will have a visible, lasting impact on the world. I know sometimes people won't be able to articulate that, or they haven't thought about it a lot, but there's something in all of us that wants to make a difference, that wants to have fruit that would last and have an impacting, uh, impact on our world. And, and that desire is not to have a lasting impact isn't ours. It's from God. He's, he's put that in us. He's designed us that way to have a purpose and a reason for why we live. And in John 15, Jesus announces that he has chosen and appointed us all to be a fruit. And it says this, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Everyone say much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Carries on in verse 16, it continues and says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit 
fruit that would last. And this is the essence of the Christian walk. This is our mandate as a follower of Jesus that we would have bearing, we would bear fruit and lasting fruit. And not only that, would be fruit over a lifetime. It'd be a fruit over a lifetime. And and this passage of Scripture gives us the expectation that we would not just produce some fruit, just a bit of fruit, but we would produce a yield of fruit that endures over a lifetime. And I don't know if you are very up to speed with horticulture, but these seasons of growth and these seasons of winter where everything sort of gets trimmed back or stops growing, and then you've got spring where it all comes to comes to sprout again and then it goes back into summer and you have the summer harvest so whatever season of life you're in this scripture tells me that it's not just to be one harvest one big export of fruit that's going to last you for the rest of your life there's every season of our life that we're in there's an expectation that we'd be fruitful in whatever season that is because God's plan is not conservative he desires us to have a lifetime of fruit, a generation, a generational impact, and, and obviously an eternal impact from our lives. But the key to achieving this enduring fruitfulness is to, to remain in Him, remain in Jesus, having a deep connection, having deep roots into Him in our lives. But what we need to know is that we always need to have roots before fruits. Everyone say roots before fruits. Roots before fruits. That is the, the growth cycle of every fruit-bearing plant that it goes through. That the fruit always ends up at the end. The process begins with planting of a seed. Oh, it's good those doors are open. <laughs> Who's hot? Can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah. It's the Holy Spirit working in this place, heating it up. The process begins with planting a seed. When you plant a seed and you water it, that's when it starts to grow. But the first thing that happens is the root goes down. The root goes down and it goes into the soil and it gets the nourishments and the minerals and then it gets the moisture and then it grows and only till the root goes down, it can support a sprout that comes up. And then from there, it turns into a tree or a bush or whatever that is. And it's only once it's mature that it will produce fruit. So even if it's big and green, if it's not mature, it will never produce fruit until that point in time. And this is the same with our spiritual journey. God needs to make us larger on the inside. He needs us to grow our roots in Him and dependence on Him before He'll grow us externally and there's evidence of fruit in our lives. And this morning, I just want to share just a couple of thoughts on this growth that, that I believe God wants for us and as, as individuals and as a church. He wants to see us grow. He wants us to, to lean into Him, that we'd be in Him that we would produce much fruit and fruit that would last in our lives. And as we step into 2024, I pray that we'd be encouraged to do that. We'd be intentional and expectant for what God has for us this year. And the first point, I'm going to keep it simple, just two points today. The first point is build the wall in front of you. Everyone say, build your wall. Build your wall. Sounds easy. And this is the first key, I, I believe, to thriving in the season of growth is to focus on the wall in front of you. I love Nehemiah's strategy for rebuilding Jerusalem's wall. He had a powerful encounter with God, and God put on his heart. He, he got the news that the, the walls of Jerusalem being pulled down and in disrepair, and, and, uh, and God put on his heart the assignment to go and fix those walls. And, and what he did is, he, and we read in Nehemiah 3, 
He lists specific individuals and groups of people on what part of the wall they should fix and, and the exact part and how they should do it and what they were assigned to do. And, and for the most part, people were assigned to work on the part of the wall that was closest to their homes. Verse 28 said, The priest made repairs, each in front of his own house. So what we can gather is Nehemiah just said to everyone, it's like, walk out your front door, open your door, look straight ahead. The wall you see in front of you, just fix it. Just fix what is in front of you. And it's such a simple, very strategic approach. And I love how God teaches us some of the most powerful lessons in our lives by some of the simplest things. And this is a powerful picture of, I believe, how God works in our lives, is that sometimes we miss what God is doing in our life because we're too busy looking down at our neighbor's assignment, at our neighbor's piece of the wall that they've got happening in their life. And we, f- and we miss what God is doing right in front of us in our own lives. And that's a problem that we, we often have the tendency to be distracted by other people's assignments and seasons in life. I don't know how many times I've looked at someone else's season in life and gone, I want that fruit. I want what they've got, right? Yeah, has anyone done that? Yeah, good. I'm not the only one here. We, it's, it's easy to envy someone else's position or, or season in life, but we forget the, 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 the winter, the, the spring, and all the seasons they've come through to get to the harvest season that they're now in. I always look at reading a book, and you know, when I read books, I was like, man, this would be, it'd be amazing to write a book, right? I don't know what I'd ever write about. I don't even, I'm not that smart, but I love reading books, and you look at them and go, it's probably taken a couple of years to write this book, and, and, you, and, and there it is. It's amazing. But you, you don't, we forget easily, we've, we find it easy to forget that it's taken 25 years of experiences and, and struggles and successes and failures that they've put together to make this book that you can read in a week. And it's, we, 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 want the, we want the fruit, but we don't know the season that they've gone through. And we've got to understand that we'll never thrive in the process that God has for us, the, the growth process that he has for us, until we accept the place where God has put us. Because he, this, where we are is the only place is where God will work with us. He can't work with us in someone else's assignment, someone else's part of the wall, someone else's uh, ministry, whatever that is. He can only work with us where we are. That's why we have to accept where we are and let God do what he can do in our lives. And I understand that a lot of us have a hard time focusing on what is in front of us. I do sometimes too, because it's, it's often doesn't look like the vision and the plan and the, the dream that you have on your heart, because we're here, but we see ourselves as, that's where I think I need to be, that's where I ought to be, or that's where I envisage our family being. And it's hard to focus on what's in front of us, because we know we, we've got, we're destined for more. But that's where we've got to remember that faithfulness to build the wall in front of you, to, to faithfully serve God in what you're doing right now, it's not giving up on your dreams. It's not giving up on what God's put on your heart, but it's trusting God with your dreams. Because I wholeheartedly believe that embracing your dreams and your passion is, is something that's really important that we, we ought to do more often, yet ultimately we're not called to, to be passionate about a dream. We're not called to be passionate about a future. We're called to be passionate about Jesus and his cause on this earth. Are you more passionate about pursuing your dreams and your desires and the things that you want, or are you more passionate about following Jesus? 
many people I know and, and respect didn't accomplish great things for God that I consider to be pretty outstanding things. They didn't, they didn't achieve those things for God just by chasing a passion on their heart. They did so by faithfully serving and being obedient to what God has put in front of them. And that's why we need to be careful when we are letting passion guide and direct our lives because I hear a lot of people all the time opt out of, of many opportunities by saying, I just don't feel passionate about that. I just don't feel passionate. But when we are called to pursue a calling and vision on our hearts that God has put there, there's, there's always going to be a lot of things that we're called to do that don't seem terribly exciting. They're terribly interesting, but they're absolutely vital to get us to where we need to go, where God needs to, to grow those roots in us to get us to bear the fruit that he's got planned for us. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10, it says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Just do it. Whatever you're doing, just do it. I think that's where Nike got their, their slogan from out of Ecclesiastes. It's like, just do it. Whatever you're doing, just do it. First Corinthians 10.31 says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So whatever you're doing, do it to glorify God in whatever situation. And what does that look like? Or if, if you're delivering pizzas, be the best pizza delivery person on this planet. If you're answering phones, do it with everything that you've got within you. <clears throat> if you've been a mum or a father or a, whatever you are, just do it with all that you've got. Be, be, do it with all the love and enduring patience. Every, every parent needs more enduring patience, right? Amen. Hey, there's definitely seasons of growth there that are happening now, girls. But whatever it is, be passionate about it. Serve God in what you're doing. Because whatever you're doing, We've got to remember that there's an enemy that's trying to distract us off course. There's an enemy that's trying to get you off your assignment, distracting you from God's calling and purpose on your life. And it's in these moments that we, we miss what God's teaching us, that we need, more, uh, we need more endurance. We need more of his strength than that. We opt out of situations in our lives when we, we get tired and, and frustrated and we actually just need strength from God. And he's just like, I'm right here but we walk away from what he's given us to go for something that's easier, something more exciting in our lives. We miss what he's teaching us in these moments. Because make no mistake that God is trying to grow you exactly where you are. Exactly where you are. Whew. It's not getting any cooler in here. My second point. My second point. Don't rush the process. Everyone say, slow down. Slow down. Don't rush the process. In any season of growth, we need to avoid the temptation to rush. Personally, this is a really hard one for me to get down. It's very tempting to try and speed up God's timing with what he's done in, in our lives. And I, I, I constantly get to that place where I'm, I'm being stretched and grown and developed. And, and I'm probably futuristic thinking in my ways. Like if I can see where we're going, I can strategically work out how we're going to get there. And so what happens is that as I'm going and as God's doing some work and developing in me, I start to feel where we're going. It's like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, I got, you know, I can do this now, you know, and I always get pulled back. And, and that's why I really feel, I was smiling about it yesterday when I was thinking about it, is that actually God shows me less and less of the future as I get older because he knows <laughs> I can't be trusted to just, just slow down. I need you to just to be here We'd be right back. It's so tempting to, to jumpstart and do our timelines of what we think it should be. And when I look in the Bible about who bore lasting fruit in the, 
And who would that be? And it's, it's hard to overlook David, right? He was, he was very unique. He was outstanding in all that he did. And if you had to write a book on all his conquests and, and things that he did, a, a book probably wouldn't even justify all that he's done. And, and, but when we look in his life, he, he, he just did so many things. He ushered in the golden age of Israel and established a, a brand new culture of worship to a nation. And that was just in his lifetime, if you had to summarize it, but all the things that he did. But, but it's beyond his lifetime. What, what are the fruits beyond his lifetime? And, and just to name a few, the blessings of David's throne affected God's dealing with every king in Israel and Judah that came after him. And the, the promised Messiah came through David's lineage. The, the promised Messiah, Jesus, and Jesus even is even called to be the son of David. The, he sits on the throne of David. To have your name associated with Jesus is kind of a big thing. Now, I think that's amazing. And the, Psalm David, the Psalms David wrote became a central part of worship for, for Jews and, and later Christians. Every day for thousands of years, millions of people around the world have quoted, prayed, meditated, and worshipped God with David's words. Isn't that outstanding? Every person on this planet, especially Christians, has been deeply impacted by the life of David. He bore fruit when he was alive, and he, bore, he bears the fruit that we walk in today. And yet we can trace that, that fruit back to one moment, one moment in his life where God planted the seed in David's life. And this happened when he was probably about 10 or 13 years old. And, and we read in the book of 1 Samuel when the, the prophet Samuel turned up at David's father's house. He just turned up and he goes, I'm here to announce the new king of Israel. This is what I'm going to do. And, and David's dad, Jesse, didn't even think to call David in from the field. He had seven brothers, all of which were handsome, they said, and, and stately and, and capable of being in that position, that responsibility of being king. But that was Jesse they were after. And, and in the midst of the process, the selection process, that Samuel saw all the sons and God said, he's not the one. He's not the one. We read this quote in 1 Samuel 16, 7, which we often pull out. And he says, the Lord does not look at the things that God looks at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, God was saying, I'm, not looking, for, I'm looking for someone I can grow internally, that I can build with internally before I grow them externally on the outside. And he didn't want another Saul. Saul looked like a king, he smelt like a king, he ruled like a king, but he was insufficiently growing, rooted in God's heart to lead a nation in God's way. He didn't want that. He wanted to grow someone from a, from a young age that he could build and develop into a king, someone who would actually last a lifetime in that role and establish a nation on a firm foundation of faithfulness to God. That's what God was after. When we read on that, None of Jesse's older sons had what God was looking for. But when, he, when Samuel saw David, God said, he's the one. And he said in verse 13, he anointed David with oil and the Holy Spirit came upon David in power. And that was God watering the seed of his word, causing it to grow. When he was 10 to 13 years old. From that point, David, God began to grow roots in David's life. But what did David do? He, he didn't become king the following Monday. There was no transition period. It's like, hey, let's, let's do a three-month handover, and you just tell me where the finances of the kingdom are going, and then I'll take it from here. Now, what did he do? He went back to his day job. 
He went back to his day job and faithfully served God in all that he did. And it was only then when that journey had been completed that David had been through that God's word became, came true. And we read that all the way down the, down the, the timeline in 2 Samuel 5 verse 3. It says, When all the elders of Israel had come to King David in Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 40 years. 30 years old. You do the mass. That's something some like 17 to 20 years that God was growing roots in David's life before the evidence of his word and the fruit of him becoming king came to fruition. And surely David is just like everyone else. We know that he, he, he's had tendencies just like everyone else, but because he would have gone. It's like, man, this, this time, like how long is this going to take? A promise is a promise, right? He went through some pretty tough times. It wasn't a, a walk in the park for David, but yet he didn't rush the process with God because of what God was doing in his life. He trusted God more than the amount of time it was taking in his life. And just like the, the work that God's doing in David's life, it was similar to what happened for Joseph. I was, um, I was reading a couple of week, a week ago when I, um, when I was down in Tower and I mentioned it, and I was like, Pastor Alan, uh, Helen, not Alan, Alan. The, uh, that's the other pastor. Uh, pastor Helen um, it encouraged me to do the, the Shred um, Bible plan. Has anyone heard of that? Shred, it's, uh, it's like read the Bible in 30 days. It's, it's not for the faint-hearted. So you've got to read like 300 scriptures. Yeah, it's like massive amount. But she's, she encouraged me to do it. And so it's what, we're, we're day 21. I've just about finished day two. So for any of those underachievers that are trying hard, I represent you all. That's, it's not easy. But in the I was reading about Joseph, and it was, it, it's really good to get a real quick snapshot and broad brushstrokes of, of the Bible. And, and uh, I was reading about Joseph, and it just reminded me, it was like, Joseph had a vision from God. He had a vision from God that was, that was so profound, and he, he just had to let everyone know it. And it, you know, his brothers hated it, even his dad thought, it's like, what do you want about? You know, so, but God had given him this vision. And then from there, his, his brothers despised him. He got sold into slavery. They were going to kill him. He got sold into slavery, and then he was serving, and he was having to be a servant in a foreign land, and then he got thrown into prison for years, and, and then he came out. And it wasn't until the end of that that he was actually second in command of all of Egypt. But it says repeatedly through Genesis, as you read the story, it says, but God was with him. Four times, and it repeats and repeats just to remind us that no matter what situation we go through, whatever part of the wall you're building, God is with you. And, and it's laying the foundation. I don't know how many years that it was when Joseph got the vision to when it was that he became governor, that it was fulfilled. The vision from God was fulfilled, but it was God was laying foundation, the foundation down in his life that, to carry the weight of the fruit that he was going to give him. And just like the work that David, that God did in David's life and in Joseph's life over all those years, it's the same foundation building process that is integral to sustaining God's calling and vision for your life. So when we rush this process, when we rush this growth, it's a sign that we really don't understand the vision that God is calling us to fulfill. We don't understand what God is actually calling us to do. And, and it's because God is always calling us to do the impossible. He's always calling us to do the impossible. 
He wants to throw us in over our heads so we can, he can make us successful in what he defines success to be. Because when we do it, we, we inevitably limit the vision, the version of the vision that he has for our lives when we speed that up. And we must recognize that even when things don't seem to be moving as fast as we think, or even it feels like we're moving backwards, that God is providing everything we need in those moments when we, when we press and rely and depend on him. And he's preparing us for all that he has spoken over our lives. Every assignment and lesson gives us something that is crucial to the foundation of our faith, foundation of what God's calling us to do. And I remember read, watching a, a documentary on the Burj Khalifa and that uh, skyscraper, it's an 800-meter skyscraper in, in Dubai, and it's just an incredible feat of engineering. It just boggles my mind. And, and I was just amazed on the science that goes into the concrete, the science that goes into the, the concrete because it's... They, they do so many tests and vigorous things on it. So as it's coming out of the production line, they, they test it because if it's not exactly right, it just won't hold the weight of this massive structure that's going to be on it. And a part of that the, on the series, it, it had they just threw out hundreds of thousands of tons of concrete because it wasn't quite right. Because it's not like you could just go, oh, she'll be right. It's like, no, no, it, it's, it's either right or it's not. Laying the foundation is so important. It's just, just like a skyscraper, if we don't have all the components of this foundation, if we don't have our roots deep in Christ, then when God adds the weight of your calling, the weight of what he's calling the vision for your life, your foundation won't sustain it. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the, the more I hear about leaders and, and people of influence when their foundations are eroded, when compromise comes into their life and they just start doing their own thing. And, and with, when their foundations are are eroded, it's only a matter of time and we, we fall under the weight of what we've been given. So don't be tempted to rush the process of what God wants to grow and build in your life. So as we kick off 2024, I pray my heart would be that we'd see everyone in that position, that posture of growth, to grow more dependence on what God has for us. Because it's only through him we get it all anyway. But if, he, if, we, if we spend that time to seek him, that he would, he would fill us afresh and, and in whatever we're doing, in the wall that's in front of us, in the assignment that we've been given, whether it's been a mom, whether it's just been a dad, whether it's been an employer or employee, whatever you, wherever you find yourself, God wants to work in and through you in that to bring you into all that he's got for you. And that we wouldn't rush the process, that we wouldn't rush what God's doing in our lives, that we'd fully surrender our lives and, 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 and trust Him with our dreams and trust Him with our children, the future of all the things that, are, that we hold dear, that we would just give it to Him and trust Him for His timing and His plan and purpose in our lives. God said, you did not choose me. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and be a fruit, fruit that would last. That would be my declaration over you all this morning. That we'd accept that we're chosen, we've been appointed, and that we're to go and be a fruit and fruit that would last in him. Amen? Amen. Would you please stand?
Would you bow your heads? Father God, we thank you for 2024. We thank you for the year that's been. We thank you for the year that's ahead. Father God, with all the things that are going on in the world and our lives and the stresses and the strains and the, the rumors of wars and all these things, Father God, none of it matters as much as you do. Father God, you've never, you, you never leave nor forsake us. You're with us in every step of the way. Father God, I thank you when we stop and take note and pause and we see you in everything. We see you at work and you never stop. And this year, I pray, Father God, that every, every life represented, every, every family member here, Father God, that you would impress in our heart how much you love us, how much you want to see us succeed, how much you want to see fruit come from our lives. So, Father God, I pray as we, we press into you this year, Father God, give us more dependence on you, that we rely on you for everything, Father God, for your time and your provision, your love, your joy, your peace. And as we sit in your presence, Father God, you just pour it out on us because we want more of you. We want more of your will be done in our lives this year than the past 20 Have your way in this place, oh God. Have your way in our hearts that this year would live with intent and expectation for all that you have for us. We thank you, Jesus. If you just hold out your hands, I'll pronounce this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Well, be blessed. Have a great Sunday. We've got an amazing prayer team. If you need prayer for anything, please do. I encourage you, get some prayer. Otherwise, that's the end of the service. Grab a coffee. We've got ice creams. Um, have a good time. See you next week.